Welcome to Season 2 of Do Good and Do Well. My name is Sarah Fox and I'm a life and leadership coach and founder of the Do Good and Do Well community. And this is a podcast where we explore how to be a changemaker without losing yourself. Let's get to it. Hi everyone and welcome to this final episode of season two. This is the 30th episode of Do Good and Do Well and there are going to be many, many more to come. But before that happens, in this episode, I'm going to be bringing together my guests' answers, their views to the question, what does do good and do well mean to you. My brilliant guests bring a whole range of perspectives. This season is no different. I'm going to let their words do the work and I invite you to really notice what stands out for you, what's important for you. And at the end of all of these clips, I will offer some journaling questions, if that's your thing, to get you thinking about what do good and do well means for you. As always, if you enjoy this episode, if you've enjoyed any of the episodes and you haven't done this already, please go and leave a review and a rating. It really helps. And if you would like to contribute to my podcast fund, you can do that. I'll put a link in the show notes. My first guest this season was comedian and author Rosie Wilby. And I loved her answer because she brought an example of a fantastic sportswoman who is really demonstrating the idea of do good and do well. Here's Rosie. Well, I wanted to share with you an example of somebody who I feel embodies that. And as a sort of preface to that, I need to explain that one of the things that I do to escape from stress and burnout and and work and um to escape into mindfulness is I'm a huge tennis fan and I love watching tennis I love the drama that unfolds I love the scoring system I love the sort of quietness in between the points when you're watching Wimbledon centre court or even now the tennis tournaments that are happening behind closed doors in lockdown without a crowd it's kind of weird but there is a peacefulness Mm. to the ball just the sounds of the ball and the and the little sounds that the players make and I'm a huge huge tennis fan and I have been hugely inspired recently by the tennis player Naomi Osaka, who I believe completely embodies the spirit of do good and do well. She is without doubt the number one female tennis player at the moment, particularly on hard courts, even though the ranking systems are a bit behind that because Mm -hmm. they kind of froze them during the pandemic when certain players couldn't travel to certain tournaments. So, When she was playing at the US Open last year, she wore a face mask for each of her matches and she had seven face masks bearing the names of black Americans who had Mm -hmm. been killed, many of them in situations of police violence. And she did not know for sure that she was going to reach the final. But after her first victory, she made it clear to the media that she had seven masks and she was intending to wear those seven masks and give exposure to, I mean, there are many, many more, sadly, black people who have been killed. But she had seven people she wanted to give 
a profile to to raise awareness. And there was one match she played where she had George Floyd's name on her mask. And after that, she said, I'm a vessel in order to spread awareness. And I thought that was incredibly humble that she's this fantastic tennis player, so skilled at what she does. But she has then gone and used that platform to spread an incredibly powerful, good message. And that then in turn inspired her to do what she does, play tennis really, really well and make sure that she got to the final and won the final because then her message has even more impact. So, you know, there was a sort of this symbiosis really between doing good and doing well Mm. in that action, which I think is incredibly inspiring because she inspired herself to do well by doing good, which meant Mm. that she was doing even more good. And even though many of us, we're not quite as skilled at something as Naomi Parker is at playing tennis. We're not the number one in the world. (laughs) Um, But I think there's something in that about using our voice and our platform that we gain from doing something well and the connections and networks that we make and thinking about how that can allow us to spread a message that is important to us and then sort of using the fact that we can spread that message as motivation to keep on doing what we do really, really well. Mm. And I've kind of been thinking about how we seem to evaluate success in numbers at the moment. Naomi Osaka hasn't yet won as many Grand Slams, as, which are like the major tournaments in tennis, as, say, Serena Williams, who I also think is an incredible role model and and a great pioneer, and her sister Venus Williams. There are so many brilliant, brilliant women in tennis. And what she's done has elevated her way beyond the sort of number of, of big tournaments that she's won. And there have been incredible pioneers in tennis history as well. You know, someone like Arthur Ashe, who won one Wimbledon. But his legacy of kind of pioneering, fighting for civil rights is, is so much more important And here's Romana Malcolm, a young creative entrepreneur, business owner, dancer and author. Oh, so this is great because I've changed my view on what this actually looks like. So two years ago when I was immersed in work, I would say do good and do well means just giving back to others, allowing them to experience great opportunities. The pandemic hit, I had this brainwave that... I'd been given all of my time to other people and forgotten about myself. And actually, the effects of that were going to be worse because I wouldn't have anything to give if I wasn't pouring into myself. And now I've changed that idea and do good and do well starts with me first. It starts with me having really, really good mental and physical well-being and just being in a great place so that I can give from a good place as well. And next up, we have Claire Antrobus, who is a coach, trainer and facilitator. I think it means a couple of things. So I mean, everyone I work with is in the business of doing good, you know, do, doing work where you're trying to create some positive change in the world. But do well, I think, for me, I think there's two aspects to that. I think the first is about doing it well, like 
um, professionally well. I suppose I ended up in management rather than the more artistic roles in arts organisations. And I noticed that sometimes we don't focus so much on how we do things as much as what we do in the cultural sector and the wider non-profit sector. We kind of think like the way we do it isn't perfect. It doesn't need to be perfect, but we kind of go, oh, we'll work really hard. It doesn't matter if we don't get it quite right because what we're doing is important. And I'm not sure I really subscribe to that. I think we need to work well as well as you know, the how of what we do things is as important as the what that we are doing. And I think that's where it kind of links to the other part, the well-being part of it, which is when you work in a sector where you love what you do, and it's that old adage, isn't there, about, you know, if you choose a job you love, you'll never work a day of your life. Well, that wasn't my experience. <laughs> it was when you, when you do a job you love, you'll have no boundaries <laughs> and people will work really, really hard. I had a job where I ended up sleeping on site because I worked such long hours it wasn't worth driving home and coming back again. So I've made lots of mistakes about that, but I've come to learn that actually having boundaries and living with us, you know, working in a way that respects our life outside work is really important too. That's why I think those two things are linked because I think we often end up chasing our tail in the cultural sector because we're not doing the management side of things properly. Mm. It doesn't need to be as chaotic and all-consuming as sometimes it is. And here's singer-songwriter, producer, founder and campaigner Eve Horn. Do good means to wake up every day and try your best to help you to be a good, decent person, whether that's helping someone with some bags, whether it's not biting someone's head off, working on your patience, whether it's making someone a cup of tea or anything that is doing something that isn't just for yourself. With me, it's making sure that I am delivering the right message every day in in what I do and trying to help someone Mm. and and change the world in a way because I know that sounds massive and dramatic, but the butterfly effect is real. One small flap of the wings has a massive Mm. effect and Mm. us having this conversation might lead to someone listening and help them and they might change their life and then they might help someone else just by saying one thing or listening and saying something to a parent that gives them some reflection anything Mm. but that for me is do good do well what I take from that is to remember to look after you and and take take care of yourself and the world around you so we can get so caught up in in everyday life that that doesn't really mean anything and I think it's important to sometimes reflect because when you reflect that's the only time you can do well and do good if you're not giving yourself the peace and the space and actually stopping and looking at yourself in the mirror and saying who am I and what am I doing here what is my purpose what do I want to get out of life who are my family Do I do enough for them? Do I love them? Do I put myself out enough? What do I get in return? Ask yourself all of these questions Mm -hmm. just to give yourself that little bit of a reality check and then put things in place to move on so that you can flip between doing good and doing well and doing good and doing well. 
for yourself and others. And here's the perspective of therapist Sasha Jenkin. Okay, so for me, the first thing that comes up is, well, there's a couple of things. I think when we come into this profession, I, I also have a part of that are that really want to help people and, and, and sometimes rescue, and I have to be careful with that. And I think it, so. What can kind of come up is, is is being able to take care of ourselves as well. It's like that kind of balance, and and also, why, who am I doing this for? You know, I think. I mean, I I've had a lot of therapy, and I can, I'll always be in and out of therapy because it's the sort of thing that I have to be aware of myself. So I have to really think about if a rescuing part's coming up um, and, and whether, you know, and keep that in check and actually check that, you know, that's my stuff. So there's that. I think there's a lot of people that work in, for example, nurses and people that work in the emergency services. I've actually worked as, as a counsellor supporting people in those kind of environments and it does often, there's the, the wounded healer, which is someone who has grown up with quite a lot of chaos and trauma in their background and it means that they're, they're sort of interested in replicating that in their work life and what can end up happening is that people can give so much that they end up burning out. So burnout, I think, is what comes up for me a lot, mm. thinking about that and how important it is to to be, you know, to take care of ourselves. You know, it's a self-worth thing again, actually having clear boundaries. Mm. You know, boundaries are things that we talk about a lot in, in my work and it's like you could only give as much as you could give to yourself. You can't keep giving and giving. Um, yeah, that's a bit of a roundabout answer, but mm. one of the things I talk to my clients about and I guess I have to think about for myself is you couldn't, you know, it's that, that sort of metaphor of when you're on the plane and having to take your own oxygen first. You've got to, in order to take care of others, you've got to take care of yourself. So, yeah, and I think particularly at the moment, I think there's a lot of burnt out people, mm. so many, with everything that's been going on over the last, and you know, with the boundaries have been so affected the last year with everything. It's just there's so much anxiety, so much, so much struggle. Mm. It's almost like the norm. I mean, it's been wonderful as well because people have kind of, I think, have come together. But, yeah, that's what comes up for me is how important it is. If we want to do good for others, it's a wonderful thing. Mm. But in order to do well, I think we need to take care of ourselves. Katie Triggerden is a purpose-driven writer, keynote speaker and podcaster. Here's her view. I think it's really interesting. And we, we obviously met because I joined your Facebook group by the same name. So the, that phrase obviously attracted me. It reminds me of a Venn diagram I drew. I can't remember whether it was in my interview or in my first appraisal for the first writing job I got after my career change. And I drew a Venn diagram, which now will sound very familiar to people, but at the time it came out of my brain and I drew it because I was trying to explain something nebulous. And it had one circle which said, I want to do work I love. One circle which said, I want to do work which makes a difference in the world and, you know, does good. And one circle which says, I want to do work that I'm good at. Now, the one that people will have seen has also got a diagram saying, do work I can be paid for. (laughs) which clearly didn't enter my brain at the time 10 years ago. But yeah, I think I think doing good and doing well is about doing good in a way that also looks after your health and well-being, your mental health and physical health, and that's something that my previous career wasn't doing. And I think also doing well financially. I think it's 
there's this sort of myth that if you're doing good in the world, you shouldn't be able to earn money. Mm. And I was thinking about this sort of in preparation for talking to you. And so if the rule is that if we're doing good in the world, we can't earn money. Currently, we live in a capitalist society, rightly or wrongly. So we need money to survive and certainly need money to thrive. So what are we saying? That the only way to earn money is by doing bad? I mean, that just doesn't, that, that doesn't sound like a good system to me. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's sort of, in, yeah. it's in, incentivizing people not to do good. And I just, that doesn't stack up for me. And I also think there is a sense of uh, this sort of idea that doing good has to sort of empty us and, and martyr us. And I've certainly been guilty of that. I don't get to rest because I'm doing this important thing and, and it's it's no good because you can't do good when you're broken and depleted and exhausted. And I, I think it's there's this sense and sort of actually going back to Simon Sinek's book, there's there's this sense that we're playing a finite game that, you know, if I have money, someone else can't have money. Or if I rest, yeah. that work doesn't get done. And we're not playing a finite game. It's not zero sum. We can rest and still have time to do good. We can earn money and other people can have money. The more money I make in the business, the more money I get to spend hiring people and investing in other people and kind of spreading that. And so I think there are these sort of zero-sum mindsets that we've inherited, mm-hmm. often designed to keep women and marginalised communities small. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think we have to start challenging some of that thinking. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I just, everything you said has been playing on my mind a lot. And I I have something on my wall that says, it is not bad to make money from doing good. Because I needed a reminder of that. My money story, one of them has been that, that people like me don't make money. It's greedy if you make money. It's not ethical if you make money. And it was only, I'd say, in the last year when I came into this world that I saw women in particular challenging that, as you say, and saying, Mm. no, hang on a minute, good people need or should, are able to, are allowed to want money. In the creative industries, you get this double effect because you've also got the starving artist cliche where you shouldn't have a job you love and you shouldn't be creative and earn money. So if you're a creative person who's trying to do good, you've got this sort of layering up. And my parents were all teachers and nurses and dentists and all work in caring professions. And again, there's a sense that that's supposed to be a vocation where you shouldn't earn money. It's just like, you know, I think if anything, over the last 18 months, we've seen that key workers should be earning a lot more money and, you know, perhaps the billionaires in the country can afford to, the people getting those PPE contracts can afford to have a little less. I think there's lots of stories that we're told by the patriarchy that we need to start challenging. And what does do good and do well mean to Claire Willits, entrepreneur and founder of Not Only Pink and Blue? I think this is such, again, it's another big question. You've got all the big questions. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, so... I think I've always had a real kind of driver to do something which makes change, I guess, and is and is kind of does some good for the world. I say, I guess, leave a legacy. And, um, you know, I had quite a corporate career through advertising, worked at Virgin Group as well. And 
and obviously there's a lot of lot of people there who are quite entrepreneurial and mm. philanthropic as well but I think I just had to find the thing that I was really passionate about and I've been passionate about this obviously for most of my life and so for me doing good is making a difference and that can be small or big really mm. I mean it's so great when I get I get quite a lot of messages through Instagram and Facebook from people saying you've really helped you've really helped me understand how to talk about this with other people because I I didn't know how to do it and and I've got I guess you could say quite a soft approach in a way because I think that we need to make people aware of this issue because I think a lot of us aren't aware because why would we be? We've grown up all in the same world and it's all around all of us. So it is completely pervasive. And it's not until you start to see it and start to hear some of the language that you go, oh, and then you can't, you start to not be able to unsee it. Mm -hmm. But even then, even if you're, I mean, I'm hyper aware, right? Because I've read the studies, looked at the stuff, you know, I'm, I'm really in this. And, and I make mistakes all the time. And well, I, I wouldn't call them mistakes, actually. It's just, I think things and go, oh, God, why am I thinking like that? I say things, oh, why have I said that, you know? Yeah. I, I have the same trip up. I'm out buying presents for my kids' friends' birthdays. I second-guess myself, you know, mm, should I buy that? Because they might get annoyed this. And that's the stuff that I would love us to be able to eradicate, actually. Mm. But, of course, it's in all of us. So, 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 I think, so I love that, you know, even those... Those messages for me make a massive difference, getting those from people, individuals saying, this is really helping. You know, I, I know how to talk about this now. I now know how I can challenge my friends and my family on some of their thinking without being, you know, antagonistic and, and causing an argument, which is great because we don't want to fall out with our friends and family. Of course we don't. But we would like them to think differently sometimes. So that's great. Do well. I think do well is the hard bit, actually. <laughs> I think lots of people know the good they want to do in the world and what they want to kind of change. Do well, do well, do it well, I guess. I'd I want to make sure I'm doing it well and being, yeah, kind of all of those things I talk about. You talked before we came on about your own wellness. And, and actually, it's quite interesting when you say that because I we talked about the fact that actually when you're doing something to help make change or to drive societal change, it can become all consuming mm -hmm. and overwhelming because it's huge, right? God, this is a massive issue. How on earth am I going to help drive change in this? And also it's with you all the time, not only you running your own business, but also it's like, it's everywhere. right? <laughs> so you can't help but not be in it wherever you are or whatever you're doing. And I've got several friends who'll be like, oh, God, I shouldn't have said that in front of you. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, you can say it. Now you just need to rethink what you've said. Yeah, let's have a reframe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so for me, do good and do well would be do the good in the world, help make the change, but do it well. So I think do it with consideration yeah. and, and do it um, as inclusively as possible to take people with you on the journey. That, for me, would be how I would sum that up. Mm. And finally, my most recent guest, Steph Dickinson, who is Managing Director of Arts Charity, Pie Factory Music. I really love and I really resonate with the concept of do good and do well, because I think, I think what I've seen in, in the sector has been like almost um, a divorce of those two things. And for me, 
can only work if you have both of those things in balance. And so, so for me, I think I learned the hard way in terms of looking after myself. I had a bit of a breakdown when I was about 24, having already worked in another in another organisation since I was 18, and yeah, just really burning out and also re- recognising the toxicity of the culture I was in. Yeah, so I think it wasn't until I had actually hit a bit of a burnout really early on in my in my life and in my kind of career in, in the not-for-profit sector that I realised that I am never, ever going to do that again and that actually recognising the worth that I hold as important alongside what I do. So I think that experience has shaped it massively. But also I think, for me, it doesn't make sense. It's a bit of a contradiction if we look after other people but don't look after ourselves. And I think the best type of... The best type of living, the best type of leadership is where you model something yourself. So I've, I've found in my own leadership that if I want to look after my team and I want them to look after themselves and I have to I have to model that the power that actually your actions hold as opposed to just what you're saying is incomparable so if I'm saying to my staff make sure you're booking your annual leave make sure you're taking your breaks like just basic things like that if I'm not modeling that it's totally hypocritical so I think for me just like taking a step back and looking at the sector actually Doing good, you know, that's that's a question in itself. And I've done a lot of interrogating about what I think is good and actually how sometimes I can mm. be causing unintentional harm because what I think is good yeah. is not necessarily what's good for the community or what's good for an organisation. So I think that's a really important question in itself. What is good and how do we, how do we yeah. arrive at a place that causes the least amount of harm (laughs) to people in our work um but also doing well I think encompasses like what I was saying at the beginning like looking after ourselves and looking after the people that we're working alongside and actually something it, it just reminded me that question we've been like distilling our belief about the well-being of our team in the last year like we've all it's always been there but we've been actually pushing it to the forefront this year and I was trying to write a policy to kind of um sum up what we really believe about well-being and I was looking at other policies and kind of comparing it and it really shocked me the amount of charity policies that say the reason we Basically, the reason we look after our well-being is so that we're more productive. (laughs) Like, that was the kind of ethos behind why it's important to look after your own and other people's well-being. And I, for me, I think that's that's the problem here. Like, it's not, we're not looking after ourselves and looking after each other so that we we're more effective we're looking after ourselves and we're looking after each other because people are important and I think I think that is a a switch that needs to change because I think as long as you do it for productivity Mm. that is in conflict with what I believe about humanity I have so enjoyed all of the conversations that I've had on season two and now my question is to you what does do good and do well mean for you have you heard anything today that really resonated 
what's been important for you? How will you do good and do well? If you could rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of this concept, do good and do well, where would you put yourself? And where would you like to be on that scale? And what do you need to do every day to help you? Sometimes it's small steps. Small steps. We keep trying. We keep trying to do good. We keep trying to do well. I will see you next season. And as always, take very very good good care. care.